Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, A Man of Means, Chapter 2. Meredith wished she failed up to a fight. Her long blonde hair was down in her face. Her gray eyes were sparking fire, but she was sick to her stomach and bruised. She would rather have gone to bed if these stubborn men would just have left her alone. But her face could have broken or shattered bones. She knew that. She grimaced, hoping her insurance would cover a second accident in as many months. When the unit arrived, Meredith turned away from the sight of her raging father being carried off and closed the door. Probably it wasn't surprising to the neighbors anymore. It happened so often, but she hated everyone. She hated having everyone know. I'll get dressed. She said in a subdued tone. Ray watched her go and then shoved his hands into his pockets and looked around the room. He was shabby. The only bright things in her in it were books, hundreds of them, and bookcases and boxes and stacked on tables and chairs. Odd, he thought they were apparently short of cash, judging by the worn old furniture and the bare floor. There was only a very small television and a portable stereo. He glanced at the CD case and was surprised to find classical music dominating the discs. What a peculiar family. Why have so many books and so little else? He wondered where the woman's mother was. Has she left the father and was that why he drank? He would have explained a lot. He knew about missing parents, especially missing mothers. His had left the family while the five heart boys were young without a backward glance. Minutes later, Meredith came back and except for the bruised face, he might not have recognized her. She was wearing a beige sweater set with a tweed coat over it. Her blonde hair was in a neat bun and her face devoid of makeup. She wore flat-heeled shoes and carried a purse that looked new. Here's your brother's cell phone and his wallet, she said, handing it to him. I forgot to give them to Officer Sanders. He glared at them and put them in his pockets. He wondered if she'd have given them back at all if he hadn't come here. He didn't trust her, regardless of what the policeman had said. Let's go, he said to him. The car's outside. She hesitated, but only for a minute. She wasn't going to be able to avoid a checkup. She knew the problems that negligence could cause. Even a relatively minor problem could become major. Unexpectedly, Ray opened the car door for her. She slid in, surprised to find herself in a new luxury car. She fastened her seatbelt. His brother, Simon Hart, was state attorney general. Ray owned a ranch. She remembered how his injured brother, Leo, had been dressed last night. And her eyes went to Ray's expensive hat and boots and silk shirts. Of course, they were a wealthy family. Considering her state of dress, or undress, the night before, she could understand his misgivings about her character. She sat wearily beside him, the ice-filled cloth still in her hand. She held it to the side of her face that was bruised and hoped that it would spare her some of the swelling. She didn't need a doctor to tell her that it was a bad blow. The pain was almost unbearable. I took her to the face a few years ago in a brawl. He volunteered in his deep, slow drawl. It hurt like hell. I imagine your face does too. She swallowed, touched by the faint concern. Tears threatened, but she never cried. Now... It was a weakness she couldn't afford. He glanced at her, puzzled. Nothing to say. She managed to get her voice under control. Thank you for taking me to the hospital, she said huskily. Do you usually dress like that when you go out at night? <laughs>
he asked belatedly. I told you there was a Halloween party, she said. It hurts to talk. It was the only costume I had. Do you like parties? He asked sarcastically. My first one in almost four years, she managed to say. Please, hurts to talk. He glanced at her and then was quiet. He didn't like her. He didn't trust her. Why was he taking care of her? There was something unexpectedly vulnerable about her, but she had spirits. He walked her into the emergency room. She filled out forms and was ushered back into a treatment cubicle while Ray sat in the waiting room between a squaddling toddler and a man coughing his head off. He wasn't used to illness. He never seen much of it, and he didn't know how to cope with it. Accident, sure, he was a good hand in an emergency, and there was plenty on a ranch, but he hated hospitals. Meredith came back a good 30 minutes later with a prescription and a frown. What did he say? He asked conversationally. She shrugged. He gave me something for pain, she said, waving the prescription. They sent me to a plastic surgeon. He volunteered as they went through the automatic door. She didn't speak. I had a shattered bone in my cheek that they couldn't repair. He persisted. I'm not going to any damned plastic surgeon. His eyebrows arched. Your face could be distorted. So what? She muttered, wincing because it really did hurt to speak. It's not much of a face anyway. He scrowled. She wasn't pretty, but her face had an attractive features. Her nose was straight and elegant. She had high cheekbones. Her mouth was a little bow. Perfect. Her eyes, big and gray, fascinated him. You should go, he said. She ignored him. Can you drive me by the pharmacy? Sure. She gave him directions, and he waited while she had the prescription filled. He drove her back to her house and left her there reluctantly. I'll be at the hospital with Leo if you need anything, he said as if it pained him to say it. I don't need any help, thanks, she added stiffly. His eyebrows arched. You remind me of me, he murmured, and then a thin smile touched his lips. A kind one. Proud as Lucifer. I get pie. I really am sorry about your brother. Will he be all right? She asked at her door. He nodded. They want to keep him for two or three days. He'll want to thank you. No need. I would have done it for anyone. He sighed. She was going to look bad for a long time. With her face in that condition, she'd been beaten. And he felt responsible. God knew why. He took a breath. I'm sorry. I had you arrested. He said reluctantly. She pursed her lips. I bet that hurt. What? You don't apologize much, do you? She asked as if she knew. He scrawled down at her, puzzled. She turned away. No sweat. I'll live so long. She went in and closed the door. Ray, who'd done without companionship for a number of years, suddenly felt alone. He didn't like the feeling, so he shoved it out of his mind and drove back to the hospital. He wouldn't see her again. Anyway, Leo came back to himself with a vengeance. Late that afternoon, he and Ray lever he had Ray level the head of his bed up and he ate dinner with pure enjoyment. It's not bad, Leo mumbled between mouthfuls. But I wish I had a biscuit. <laughs> Me too, Ray said on, said on a sigh. I guess we could buy a restaurant as a last resort. He added dejectedly. One that serves breakfast. Who was, who was that woman who came in with me? He asked Ray. You remember her? 
Ray was surprised. She looked like an angel. He amused, smiling. Blonde, big-eyed, and all heart. She held my hand and sat down on the sidewalk in the cold and talked to me until the ambulance got there. You were unconscious. Not all the time. She even kept me, came in with me on the ambulance. He said she kept telling me I was going to be all right. I remember her voice. He smiled. Her name was Meredith. Ray's heart jumped. He felt uneasy. Leo usually didn't pay much attention to strange women. Meredith Jones, he agreed. Is she married? Leo asked it once. Ray felt threatened. It irritated him. I don't know. He said, do you think you could find somebody who knows how to get in touch with her? His brother persisted. I want to thank her for saving me. Ray got up from the chair where he'd been sitting and walked to the darkened window, peering out through the blinds while he played for time. She lives near the place where you were attacked, he said finally, unable to lie. What, what does she do for a living? I don't know. Ray said, feeling uncomfortable. He couldn't get her father's accusing remarks out of his mind. She said she was dressed up for a party. She even found someone to give her an alibi. But Ray didn't completely believe her. What if that whole defense was a lie? What if she was some sort of prostitute? He didn't want his brother getting mixed up with a woman like that. He didn't trust women, especially strange women. Then he remembered her poor bruised face and felt bad about his suspicions. I'll ask one of the nurses. Leah said abruptly, No need. Ray told him. He turned back around with his hands in his pockets. If you're determined, I'll go get her in the morning and bring her here to see you. Why not tonight? Ray let out an impatient breath. Her father roughed her up because she got home late last night. I took her to the emergency room this morning before I came back here. Leo's eyes narrowed and went cold. Her father beat her, and you took her back home to him? He said angrily. He wasn't there. They took him off to jail. He said, his face hardening even more. She'll have a hell of a bruise. They said she couldn't go back to work for a few weeks. He moved one shoulder restlessly. Considering the way they live, I don't know how she'll manage. He had her reluctantly. They don't seem to have much. Apparently, the old man doesn't work. She's the only one bringing home any money. He didn't volunteer his opinion of how she made it. Leo leaned back against the pillows. His big frame was without its usual vibrance. His dark eyes were dull, and his lean face was drawn. His blonde streaked brown hair was upkept and looked odd in the back where they had to shave it to put stitches in. It was a reminder of how tricky head wounds were. Leo was very lucky to not have brain damage. Ray thought about the assailants and his eyes blazed. I'm going to phone Simon tonight, he told Leo. I'm sure the local police will do all they can to catch the guys who waylaid you. But they'll work even harder if they get a call from the state attorney general. There you go again. Pulling strings. Leo amused. There's four good calls. Did you find my wallet and my cell phone? Leo, the woman had them. They're in my pocket. <laughs> good. Good. 
I didn't think she had anything to do with mugging me. Don't forget you promised to bring Meredith here in the morning. He said, now it was Meredith. Ray didn't like the whole idea of having Leo around the woman, but he didn't have a legitimate reason for keeping her from Leo's side. It would sound even more suspicious if Ray started throwing out sarcastic remarks about her. Leo did love to pull his chain. Okay, he said reluctantly. Good man, Leo replied with a wing grin. Nothing like family to look after you. Next time, watch your back instead of daydreaming about forage grasses. Ray said firmly. Then he leaned forward in the chair. So tell me, what sort of grasses the Cattlemen's Association is advocating? Ray got a hotel room near the hospital so that he could have a bath and get some rest. The night staff had the phone number so they could call immediately if he was needed. He phoned Simon before he went to bed. Leo's been mugged? Simon explained. And you didn't call me last night? That tone was still intimidating. Even though Ray was 31, Simon was the eldest of the five brothers and the bossiest next to Kag. I was too upset to phone anybody. Ray returned. And too busy trying to handle another problem that cropped up. He's alright. Honest. I didn't find out until the early hours of the morning. And it's been a long day. He was already out of danger before it occurred to me that I needed to let you know. Alright, Simon said, sounding as if he was more relaxed. Do they have a suspect? No, I thought we did, but it turned out to be a dead end. He added without going into details about Meredith Jones. There were two of them, and they hadn't been caught. It's a miracle he wasn't killed, and that they were stopped in time before they robbed him. You might give the local police chief a call, just to let him know we're all interested in solving the case. <laughs> you want me to use my influence for personal gain? Simon John. Oh, yes, I do. Rachel back. This is our brother, for God's sake. If a big, strong man like Leo can get mugged in a residential neighborhood, so can anybody else. Doesn't say a lot for the security in this area. No, it doesn't. Summary. I'll point that out to the police commissioner first thing tomorrow. Then I'll run down to Jacobsville, get Cag and Corrigan, and we'll be right up to see about Leo. Ray chuckled. It's the first bit of humor he felt so far. The five brothers rarely went so far as to gang up on one up on people, but considering the size and reputation of them, they got results when they did. This was an emergency anyway. They could have lost a brother. The preparations, the perpetrators had to be caught. They should be home by now, Ray replied. I couldn't phone them because they were showing those Japanese businessmen around the ranch in the town. I'll see how much luck they had. Japan is very careful about its imported beef. The fact that, that we run organically raised cattle will certainly go in our favor. Simon said, Yes, it will. Get some sleep and don't worry about Leo. He's fine. I'd never have left the hospital if I had one doubt about that. Uh, I'll stop worrying. Give my love to Tara and the boys. Ray had it. I'll do that. See you tomorrow. Ray hung up, thinking about Simon and his family. Tira was redheaded and gorgeous, and the boys favored both of them, although they had Simon's dark eyes and hair. Corrigan and Dory had a boy and a girl. Cag and Tessa, just a boy, 
but they were talking about how nice a daughter would be. Meanwhile, Ray and Leo, enjoying being uncles, but had no interest in joining the ranks of the married. If it wasn't for those biscuits, Ray thought miserably, it was going to be expensive to have the local cafe and make biscuits for them every day until they employed a new biscuit maker. But if they got desperate enough and offered enough of an incentive, they could probably manage it. Turning his attention elsewhere, Ray gave a thought to poor Leo with the stitches in his headache and another Meredith Jones bruised face. Tomorrow, he'd have to deal with Leo's request to see her, and he wasn't looking forward to it. He wished he knew why. Ray went to Meredith Jones' house the next morning after he had breakfast. It took her a minute or two to answer the door, and for an instant, he thought that perhaps she might not be in any condition to answer it. She'd been badly bruised. But she opened the door and peered up at him bravely. Even though she looked like a refugee from a bar brawl, her left eye was swollen shut completely now. Leo wants to see you, he said easily, noticing how the top of her blonde head only came to his shoulder. She wasn't tall, even bruised. Her face had a beautiful complexion. Her mouth was pretty. Shook himself mentally. He wants to thank you for what you did. He, remind he remembers that you rode in on the ambulance with him. You didn't tell me that. He added with faint accusation. I wasn't thinking, she said. I was worried about what would happen when I came home late. Have you heard any more about your father this morning? He asked grimly. They're going to charge him with simple battery, she said heavenly. I can't afford a lawyer. He'll have a public defender, and he'll probably have to stay in jail for a few weeks. She looked up at him. It will be a godsend, you know, because he'll dry out completely. <laughs> you hated the compassion he felt. Did your mother leave him? He asked. She murdered her face. She can bear to talk about it yet. In a way, she said to me, Are you going to drive me? She had a glance at him over her shoulder. The bus doesn't run for another 30 minutes. Sure. He agreed. Then I'll get my jacket and my purse. She went into another room and came back quickly, leading the way out the door. Is he conscious now? Very, he murmured dryly. When I left him, he was telling a nurse what she could do with the wasp patient and how far. She chuckled. You didn't seem like that kind of man, she murmured. I had a figure for a gentleman, not a renegade. <laughs> We're all that kind of man, he replied. All? He led her to the car and put her in the passenger seat. There were five of us. The other three are coming up this morning to have a talk with the police. I remember you said that your brother was the Attorney General. He is, he replied. We tend to stick together. Her eyes went to his hands on the steering wheel. He had nice hands, very lean and strong, with neat, clean fingernails. He was a tough-looking man, like a cowboy. How's your face? He asked unexpectedly. She shrugged. It still hurts. It will for a while, but I'll be fine. You should see the plastic surgeon. Why? She said heavily. My insurance won't pay for cons cosmetic surgery, and there's not much chance that they can do any major repair on tiny shattered boats. <laughs> You're not a doctor. Stop giving yourself medical advice. She stared at him for a long moment and started to speak, then lost the opportunity when he pulled up in the hospital parking lot, cut off the engine, and got out. Ray waited for her and led her up, the up to the floor where his brother's room was located. Leo wasn't alone. Three other men were with him. One big and dark and missing an arm. The other lean and light-eyed and handsome. And a third big one with black eyes and a threatening face towering over both the others. 
That's Kag. Ray indicated the black-eyed man. Corrigan. He nodded toward the light-eyed man. And that's Simon. He finished smiling at the one-armed man. This is Meredith Jones. She rescued Leo. Nice to see you. I know who you are. Leo said alert now and interested as his dark eyes swept over the neat woman just inside of Miss Jones, I presume. She smiled subconsciously because everybody was looking at her brute face. Yes, she said. Simon Hart frowned. We gotta get a look at her. What the hell happened to you? What the hell happened to you? He demanded. Her father, Ray said, she got in late and he beat her up. And he looked suddenly as intimidating as the other three. Where is he? Yeah. He in jail, Meredith said heavenly, for several weeks at least, and he'll have time to dry out. Good. Leo looked towards him. Maybe you can find a way to get him in rehab before he gets out? I'll look into it, decided said at once. And some counseling wouldn't come amiss. Ray put in his two cents worth in it. I'll see about that too, Simon replied. Nice to meet you, Miss Jones. We're all grateful for what you did for Leo. You're all very welcome, she replied. She clutched her purse, intimidated by the group of brothers. Come here, Leo said, holding out his hand. They're big, and they look tough, but they're really marshmallows. You don't have to feel threatened. I'll protect you. She doesn't need protection from us. Ray snapped. The others caped at him. Wasn't like Ray to act that way. <clears throat> he cleared his throat. He didn't want them asking themselves... He didn't want them asking themselves embarrassing questions about his attitude. He was saying to himself, Sorry, I didn't sleep much last night. He explained. Meredith went to stand beside Leo, took one of her small, cold hands in his, and looked up at her with interest. Have you seen a doctor? He asked. Your brother took me to the emergency room yesterday, she said. Ray. His name's Renard, but he's called Ray. Leo informed her. She smiled. You look much better today. Head hurt? A bit, but my vision's clear and I'm not disoriented. He said, quoting the doctor, I have a good prognosis. That's nice to hear. You were in pretty bad shape. I've been, I'd have been in a lot worse shape, but for you, Leo said, I hear that you can't work out in public for a while until your face heals. He added, can you cook? She blinked, of course. He said, I would. can you make bread? She frowned, bread? More specifically, biscuits, he added, and had the oddest expression on his face. She shifted a purse in the hand he wasn't holding. Well, yes, those and rolls and loaf bread, she said as if everybody could do it. Leo shot a glance at Ray, who was just staring at him without daring to say a word. He knew what was coming, and he couldn't decide how he felt about it. He didn't want to think about it. How would you like a brief stay in Jacobsville, Texas, and a big sprawling ranch house where your only job would be make biscuits every morning? Leo asked with his best smile. Ray and the other brothers were staring at him, staring at her waiting. She wondered why, and Ray was frowning as if he didn't like the idea at all. Probably, still secretly, thought she was a hooker. He couldn't seem to credit her with any sense of decency. She thought about his attitude for a few seconds and decided that it wouldn't be a bad idea to take the job and show him that you really couldn't judge a book by its cover. It wouldn't hurt, it wouldn't hurt that arrogant cowboy to be taken down a step or two, and she was just the girl who could do it. She smiled at her face, but what was a little pain for a good cause? She turned back to Leo. Mr. Hart, I think I'd like that job very much.
end of chapter two.